Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hi, this is Doug, and this is the Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. If you're new to us, uh, we address hopes, needs, and otherwise funny stories about rural uh, ministry. That's what we're doing. So uh, we ended the last podcast, and I had an epiphany moment, which... (laughs) I'm not going to take too much credit for it, but I asked the question, I knew I landed in the middle of nowhere when, and that's the question we're going to uh, launch with. Mike, you knew you landed in the middle of nowhere when? When I had to slow down for Amish buggies and drive across, <laughs> away from the, the poop, and when I got past the Amish buggy, I had uh, a tractor with a hay wagon with hay blowing onto my hawk. <laughs> I knew for sure I had hit the middle of nowhere, and I and I also understand the middle of nowhere too. When someone asked me, "Do you know Bob?" and I had to lie and say I know Bob, I'm confessing as a pastor because I didn't know who Bob was. Did you see that picture I took yesterday of a giant pumpkin truck <laughs> passing the horse and buggy Amish folks with a double yellow line going up a hill? It was it was it was great. Well, go ahead. <laughs> so I knew I landed in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I had an inclination. And I, I said the ongoing joke is they changed the population sign when I moved in. Uh, I, honestly, I knew I moved into the middle of nowhere when I went to the Halloween parade in downtown. And they went around the block twice. And that is not an exaggeration. That is legitimate. Oh, same people, goodness. same fire trucks. And the, the bummer of staying there for both times around is they've run out of candy by the second time. You're getting all the bad stuff getting thrown out. I, man, that just made me laugh, too, because I, where is that a good idea? Hey, throw candy into the street so children will run out into the middle of the road. Nothing says safety like that. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Don't get me going oh, because we as Christians do that trunk or treat thing where, hey, oh. hey, kids, come to the van and I'll, it's horrible. <laughs> I'm saying, but Karen, but Karen, <laughs> Karen is handing out toothpaste and toothbrushes at her trunk or treat. So okay. anyway, right. I'm going to move on. I, I got nothing. I, so, yeah. so, so the first, I really like my first week in rural because I went from nothing but big city to, to rural, to, to a town of 40 overnight. My, on a Saturday night, my, my toner in my printer ran out, and it was an hour drive to get toner. But that, that, that's but the real time, okay, like in my first year, we noticed, because we had an old schoolhouse, we began to notice this smell, and we thought it was a mouse. And we were looking everywhere for the mouse, because if you have truly country church, you know that dead mice are just a part of it, right? And right. so... But it was getting worse and worse. And it was up towards the platform. And I mean, we looked everywhere. 
And so finally, on a Saturday, because it was to the point where this is not a mouse, okay? Uh -huh. We got a group of men together. We had to take the carpet off the platform. We pulled up the flooring off the, the platform. And literally, there was a family of possums living underneath our platform. One had died. It was massively bloated up. And there were three alive under there. And so we had to bring a gun <laughs> into the structure. We had to, we, 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 because two of them took off. One would not move. We had to kill a possum on the platform. But anyway, that's what I knew. And I have pictures of that. If there's a way, I'll, I'll send Leanne uh, a picture of sure. us shooting this possum. Oh, wow. And we'll, we'll attach it to this. That's how I knew I was in rural America. But listen, last time we, you know, this this podcast, um, the direction of the podcast has morphed over the last two or so episodes, where we, we began just by sharing our dream, that mm -hmm. we believe God uh, really would love for us to find a, a 1040 window type rural county, and it began to morph into, okay, what does it really take to do ministry yeah. in a rural yeah. setting? And we identified a bunch of things last time, this is how we ended it, I'm just going to just go through that list. Uh, we talked about humility, self-esteem, learning your community, loving where you are, having the right expectations, having patience, uh, having grit, have a clear sense of who you are. And so we're just going to talk about these over the next couple of podcasts. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to put three of those together because this is just so important. Characteristics of a rural pastor. They are, they are a humble person. Mm -hmm. They have good self-esteem. They have a clear sense of who they are. It's funny. Every one of us said one of those. We, you know, we have this, always have this idea that a rural pastor has to be someone who's humble, has, but has a strong self-esteem, and they know who they are. They're comfortable mm -hmm. in their own skin. Why do you guys think, let's just start with the why. Why is that so important in a rural setting? Yeah, I think it's so important because knowing who you are in an environment where everybody knows you really matters. Mm, yeah, no fakeness. No fakeness. Boy, you can sniff it out, can't you? In, in a real town, like you know when someone's not being real with you. And so I think knowing who you are and trusting the means to cure that, people can sense that, especially mm. in the smaller community. Mm. And so that's one big thing. And I think humility, just being humble enough to say, hey, what can the people I'm around teach me? I think so often we walk into a rural community and well, we know everything because like, well, we have the theological training, we have this, we have that. But I've had most pastors tell me the time they broke through was when they went to the farmer's uh, farm and he was working on something and they taught, the farmer taught them something mm -hmm. and about their life. And I just think those are huge deals. Yeah, absolutely. So let me just tell, like for me, um, when I came to Vermont, I mean, I'm a city kid, 100%. There's this classic story. It's become like an iconic story. I went out with a, a guy to feed cattle, okay? And I had never seen a cheater bar on a gate, and I wanted to be helpful. And so unless you've worked with ranches and farmers, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But we, we actually were going out into the pasture. We were flaking off square bales to, you know, just sort of blend the feed for the cattle and all that kind of stuff. And then we'd go out and we'd have to shut the gate. And so I was really quick to run out. I wanted to be helpful because I had no idea what we were doing, but I wanted to shut the gate. And so I went out there and I'm, I'm using this cheater bar because you know what needs to be really tight and everything. And I get it closed and I look up and the, the, the rancher's looking at me smiling and he goes, do you suppose you should be on the outside of the gate when you close it? And so <laughs> I, was, I had just locked myself in a pasture. 
But, but here's the thing. I made up my mind that I would never say, this is how we do it in the city. Right. I would never, ever say that because that, that's humility there. Yeah. Because so, so many of us rural people, now that I am one, yeah. you know, I've been rural for 20 years, I see it where people from the outside come in, they assume that the way rural people are is inferior yep. and that they've got it figured out and if us rural people would just learn the city way. You're, you're hearing this in the election right now and I'm not oh, getting off yeah. track, but you're yeah. hearing it. Those people who elected, you know, whatever. And I, So you're spot on though. I think uh, how many times has somebody come to you and said, you know what you should do? Yes. And in humility, you have to answer Yes, I do. I've yeah. been called to it. I've yeah. committed my life to it. Sure. Not not to be arrogant. I'll listen to you, but but it may not really be that great an idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do know what we should do, and because we have that sense of who we are. Yeah, yeah and I I think that having that sense of knowing that comes across in the idea that when you look at your people, you see their value, their leadership mm. as well. That's humility comes in like, yeah. what can I learn from my people as we're talking about here yeah. and teach me? Because one of the biggest things I had an uh, urban guy come and related to this, an urban guy come to me to help me with my church. Right. He spent a day with me from the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, you know, yep. Twin Cities yep. from Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And he came in, he got done my day with me and he says, you must be the mayor of this town. And we laughed. I'm like, no, everybody knows everybody. And he goes, I can't help you. You speak a different language. Mm -hmm. And it's okay, pastor, that we speak a different it doesn't make you less of a, of a pastor or inferior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big deal. That's absolutely true. So again, to speak to this, I find it amazing that, that we do know what we're doing because we're called to it. Right. And I think there's a trust in the Holy Spirit, not, not an arrogance in it, but a right. trust in what God's called us to do. I remember I was speaking at a, uh, I was speaking to a group of youth workers and I'm the anomaly. I'm a rural guy. And I had somebody who said, oh, you're using, and I'll never forget the phrase. He said, oh, so you still are using a competitive model. And I mean, he'd been to Bible college and, and you're using a competitive model. And he was patting me on the head, like, oh, that's cute. And I said, I don't know what it is. I don't know what you call it. I know what our students in our culture respond to. Yes. And, and you know, if you've seen one small town, I've said, we say this yep. over and over again, yep. if you've seen one small town, You've seen one small town. And so you have to come at this. I remember a big mistake I made. Okay, so you two are from, you know, you're from Wisconsin, Michael. You're from Michigan. I was raised in Michigan. In Kansas, we don't really have lakes. Okay, we think we have lakes, but we don't really have lakes. <laughs> and so the first time that I went fishing with some guys, uh, you know, we, we go out. Literally, it's a pond that they dug. I mean, you know, and then they stock it. I mean, and it's like this little man-made thing. And I'm like, you know, this is not, you guys... I'd be afraid to eat fish out of that. <laughs> you know, as opposed to our polluted factory ponds. But anyway, um, see, I'm defending. I'm, I'm, I'm resigning. I, know, I appreciate it. You know what you should do? What's that? Nothing. I don't have an idea. I was just referring back. But what I did without meaning to there is I was saying Michigan is better than Kansas. Yeah. And that just, that, you know, that isn't the approach that you could have. And then the next thing, I, I want to just be really transparent here as we talk about self-esteem. I had been a pastor in Akron, Ohio for four years. I grew a church from 70 to 50. All the dreams of grandeur that I had had been destroyed, but I'd had that God moment. When I went to Lamont, I had nothing to prove. Mm -hmm. I had nothing to prove. 
I was just going to love those people. And, and so I don't know if that's self-esteem. I don't know what it was, but it was no longer about me. And see, I see young rural pastors or, you know, because, okay, let me just, and I'm talking too much. You know, if you're a rural pastor, there's a sense in which everyone's looking down on you anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you have something to prove, like if you need to be thought of as important, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're not ministering to your people. Right. You know, nothing so, to prove. So self-esteem comes from that nice American word. It's more of an American word than a Western culture word. Yeah. Um, comes from the idea that where do we place our identity value? And we know this. We know theologically the answer. Right? Right. That's our identity yes. in Christ. Like, we yes. know that. But so often, we function not that way when we do ministry. Mm-hmm. Because you don't go to a conference too often and see a guy from Lamont, Kansas, or yes. Triple Falls, Wisconsin, or in Michigan, or anywhere in Michigan. You know, anywhere, like in rural, rural anywhere, where you see them on the platform too often. You, right. you see the, the big city guy with the big ideas with the budgets that you just can't imagine because oh, they yeah. pay one staff member what your entire budget is for the year. Oh, absolutely. And, and the reality becomes that fact that where are you placing your value? And, and reminding yourself over and over and over it's about Jesus. Now, I know everybody knows that when I'm talking about it, but as your self-esteem, be honest with yourself. If tomorrow on Sunday comes, Sunday comes, tomorrow, Sunday comes and you are there and so-and-so's family hasn't been there in three weeks, and you're starting to worry about them, which you should. Right. But are you losing your value because they're not coming to church mm-hmm. or your numbers? Let me just put this in some perspective. Uh, in Philippians, this is, the, this is the book I'm in right now. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, I read this morning. I was in Philippians 4. Boy, was that encouraging in light of reading the news. But it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from uh, from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my uh, joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And I will be candid with you guys. When I left a big church with a big budget and a big future and moved to the middle of nowhere, I thought I was the savior. Mm. And I'm just, I'm just being honest. I thought, Hey, I've got experience and I, you know, i I love these people, bless their hearts. Mm-hmm. And, but it was condescending and it took God working in my heart to break me that brokenness we we've talked about the brokenness for a community that brokenness brought me to humility and it brought me to the right Mm self-esteem regarding myself through christ's eyes not regarding myself through i have to prove this earn this and um, i remember the moment so I'll, i'll share it with you i remember the moment my wife and i were praying we were under um attack from the community when we launched surprisingly they didn't necessarily all want us. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. we had the answers. They just didn't know they were sick. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, for us, we, we knew we were under attack. And we said, let's pray. We got down on our couch. And God did something in that moment on our knees, humility, before our living God. And he broke us. And we were sobbing for the community because we realized this community desperately needs Jesus Christ. It doesn't need Doug. That's really good. You know, I think, too, is 
out of that is knowing who you are means you're not trying to be the latest, greatest pastor in the skinny jeans, like we said, or the hip-looking person. Yes. And, and, and it was funny. It took me a while as a young pastor to understand that. I'm not young anymore. But I, here's my confession is I was trying to be the next grace and latest. And my poor church had suffered with that as a church plant of, like, we're going to be hip and all that. And, and, and I realized at one point, there's nothing hip about me. There's never anything hip about me. And it's okay. Like, it's okay that I'm dorky. Like, it's okay that I... I, I am who I am, and and that and God has specifically put me here for a purpose, for His purposes. And I think you need to hear that today. Each of the pastors out there needs to hear the fact that God has put you there for that purpose, and you need to trust who you are in that. That you might not look like that 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 person with the I don't know, the perfect hair and the perfect look and the jeans that fit well and you're you know five percent body fat or whatever. It's just it's just it's just not gonna be the case. So knowing who you are that God has put you there. So let's just, let's just make this let's just get down and dirty with it. So if you're a pastor who doesn't have good self esteem and you know you're being judged by a suburban scorecard, like people are like like there's this joke of the two pastors that get together, the real pastors that get together and the one says to the other one, Hey, what are you averaging these days? And the guy says, Oh, we're we're probably 78, 79. And, and the other pastor goes, wow, you, you've really grown. He goes, oh, I thought you were talking about age. But anyway, um, <laughs> but, um, you feel you're, like you have something to prove because you're not happy with who you, 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 know, who you are. You're not, you're not comfortable in your own skin. You're not comfortable that you're in this country church. And you know if we would change the way we would do things around here, we would grow as a church, and the people that I'm trying to impress would think more of me and so you get up there on Sunday morning with an attitude that says, you guys aren't good enough for me. This worship team isn't good enough for me. This building isn't good enough for me because I have something to prove. My self-esteem is in this church and you guys aren't helping my self-esteem. Right. I'm telling you, a rural person smells that out. <laughs> and why on earth would they follow you if they know you aren't believing in them and that you see them as inferior because you feel inferior? Because that's what an inferior person does is it, they put that inferior complex on right. everyone else. It's, it, if I could fix what's around me, you know, rather than letting God fix me. Right. So I can't tell you right. how many rural pastors that I that poor self-esteem leads them to not love their church. And also I think it hurts them at a spot. Just, just one more thought here before the cows might be coming home. I, I think, think they are. I think, I think they, they are. are. But um, this leads you to a spot that I think is so important is not only do we like re relate that to people, mm. but what we start to do is then we start to come um, as an authority to start, you start telling them yeah. and start telling them. And you're really hoping at some point your value is going to show up if you got to from 50 people to 70 people. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I can tell you as someone that find the church and watch it grow, my, my, my self-esteem never improved by the number that came in the church. Yeah. It just doesn't. It's about health. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine if you just had healthy relationships, yeah. what that would look like? Because that's going to show up in your health. Yeah. Well, it's sincerity. Sincerity mm -hmm. is a far greater oh. piece than, than ability. And I, so uh, my mentor said this, and if you've listened to me for five minutes anywhere, anytime you've heard this a thousand times, God's far more concerned with who you are in him than what you do for him. Mm -hmm. If my self-esteem somehow is, is given value by what I do, the bar is never achievable. 
because I have 100 people, I want 200 people. I have 200 people, I want 1,000 people. I want 10,000 people. We should, I should, it's never achievable. And I, I really believe that we have to submit ourselves in humility before God to realize any ministry is valuable if God has told us to do it. Shoot, Philip was transferred to a road where there was one guy. Yeah. And it was worth it. He left a revival in Jerusalem and he's transferred to the one road where there's one guy. And Ethiopia is changed because of that. And and I really think like some of the there's just all these downfalls that all point back to self-esteem. Some pastors were in rural settings, and pastors were not picking on you. We really want to help you here. We want you to see this. You become a people pleaser. Yeah. You know, and, and the people pleasing aspect of low self-esteem. Just, it, it turns you inside out because welcome to rural culture. We hassle each other for, uh, like we, we referred to this in the last podcast just a little bit. It's a love language. Like <laughs> trashing each other is a love language with farmers and ranchers and cowboys. And if you're an insecure person who wants to please people and you find yourself in a culture where the way we accept you is by telling you that you're ugly and you don't know what you're doing. That means I love you right. and you don't get that. And, and you're try- it just, it turns you and, and that sincerity disappears. I mean, well, and the people pleasing thing becomes like, once again, becomes numbers based. So they're mm. not happy with me because they haven't come to church or my value and how that person responds uh, to me, yes. which leads to hard, difficult conversations. I can't do them. I avoid them. I have, Panic attacks at night, if we're honest. And I'm talking about, I'm not coming down to you from a person that hasn't experienced this. I'm from a person that has done all the stuff wrong for <laughs> yes, a while. Exactly. And I, I think all of us are going to admit that. And so here's the deal I really truly believe that if we can get out of the people pleasing business into the God pleasing business, your anxiety is going to go down. Who you are becomes more affirmed, as it says in Philippians. I, I know my value becomes in Christ. And then therefore, I'm not that worried about the external. I worry about the internal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes a difference. Yeah, yeah so uh, this was a great, uh, great conversation. We'll continue with the master list of yes. all the things you need to know as a rural pastor to be great and, uh, feel, <laughs> and feel good about yourself. Is what we're, that is not where we're going. Yeah, so pastor, yeah, thank if, you guys. If we yeah. could just say to you today that, that it's, you, you have to like, stand before God. Yeah. And really just confirm, this this is your calling. This is where you are. Be comfortable with, as a matter of fact, be self-deprecating. Okay, self-deprecation works in rural settings. In fact, if you don't have it, you're not. True self-deprecation comes from a sense of being comfortable with who you are. And in a rural setting, people can put up with some incompetency. I know this is going to sound like heresy to some folks, but they can put up with a little incompetency if they know you're genuine, you understand that you need grace in this area, you give other people grace in the areas where they have a little rough edges. An effective rural pastor is comfortable with who they are. They have a good sense of humility, a good sense of self-esteem. They're comfortable in their own skin, and then people can be comfortable with you. Because if you're not comfortable with you, why should I be comfortable Mm -hmm. with you? And you have to earn that relational respect before you ever lead people. Mm -hmm. And so I know the cows have come in and everything, but that's the first. As we think about what a rural pastor needs to be, whether it's our vision of, of, of an entire county or whether it's just... 
me going into a rural setting. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. This was great, and we will see you for the next Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. Thanks for joining us. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. Multiplyvineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.org. For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.